You have found the Open Eclectic Podcast, where Nate and Josh talk about everything from mobile games to books to pet peeves to cars to toys. Our interests run eclectic, and we're open to more. Welcome to the Open Eclectic. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of the Open Eclectic. Um, With us tonight is one of our super fans, Andy, and we are going to be talking about Batman. So, should we just jump right into it? Because I know that Josh, I know Josh and Andy are both huge Batman aficionados, and I am really, I guess what you call kind of a more of a, maybe a step above a casual, like... I'm not just some, like, girl at the mall. It's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of Batman. Yeah, that's cool. Doesn't he wear, like, a red cape or something? Um, <laughs> I mean, they've probably seen, you know... Do mall girls like Batman? Batman? My little brother likes Batman. Anyway, um, I, I digress. Uh, so, kind of... There you go. You're probably more of a Batman fan than you realize. You just gotta kind of dig back into your childhood a little bit. Yeah, I mean, long stored memories. I could probably talk with you guys for a little bit, and I've, I've, I did a little bit of homework in kind of the week that in the, the couple weeks leading up to this after we started talking about it. I guess kind of what the impetus or the, 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 what kind of got this whole idea going was, Josh and I had talked a little bit about Batman. A, a while ago in one of the one of our episodes and I was pleasantly surprised Andy that you were listening to it and you're like man you're like you guys didn't talk about Batman nearly enough now to our credit it wasn't like I guess it was a comic it was about it was supposed to be about comic books so but we we didn't really get too deep in really into anything and we talked a little bit about Batman um, but especially after the, the the Batman has come out with the dreamy Robert Pattinson um, and the um, what's her name? Dang it, Kravitz. Uh, Zoe. Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Uh, as the beautiful Catwoman, um, we d- we we decided that we needed to have a proper Batman episode, and um, and it would be awesome to have Andy on to to give us more insight than than we have currently so um so i don't know i guess uh where do you guys want to start i mean we've all seen the movie uh josh and i we've seen it twice andy how many times have you seen the new the new one i saw it twice as well once at theater and once when it was released on hbo all right all right so yeah i think uh, i think this is the official spoiler warning i think uh you know usually when we review a movie we kind yeah. of that's do a non-spoiler and then we do spoilers but i think uh i think this whole think thing it's, it's been seven weeks yeah this whole thing's gonna be a spoiler so we're assuming that so you're just, listening that, that you've seen it you've seen the batman yeah. and anything else that we're discussing so don't expect to not be spoiled i guess i, th- I think there's a lot of things where it's like if you expect a you know if we venture into Dark Knight Returns or something like that. I mean, that came out in the 80s. I, th- I think I feel safe in saying, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, talking about, like, you know, 
any any of the Batman in the past, anything before this is just open season. I mean, it's all open season, but especially that stuff. So, um, to to quote my favorite Alfred moment from the comics, real quick, the the green the, what do you say? The greenhouse is loaded, and I'm a dead shot. The greenhouse is loaded. Yeah, it was a shotgun. Oh. Was, Alfred was threatening Bane with a shotgun. It was great. That, that was in that was in Nightfall. I'm guessing you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah, it was. Nice, nice. See, yeah. I had no yeah. idea what you're so, talking about. You're like Alfred. That's okay. Look, I have the shotgun. book. Yeah, <laughs> I got the book right there. The the, uh, the yes. novel adaptation by uh, Dennis O'Neill, one of the best Batman comic book writers from the from the 70s. And that book is great, actually. I I have it on my show too. So you can't see it, but it's over there. I don't have any. You can't see anything back here. <laughs> No, it's fine. I have one <laughs> one collection. I have the Long Halloween. That's like the one Batman collection that I have. But it's been like 15 years since I've read it. So, and I you haven't read it in the last couple of weeks? No, <laughs> I didn't do very. I didn't do a lot of homework. I see. I watched Year One, and I watched. Now I always screw this up between the movie and the comic. The Return of the Dark Knight or Dark Knight. Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. See, I always get it wrong. Part one and two. So, okay, Andy, I was telling Josh this. So with year one, I felt it was kind of like, like, especially when I saw Batman, like, well, Bruce Wayne, when he, when he came back home, he like punched through like a stack of bricks and then he like roundhouse kicks a tree over. And I'm like, come on, dude. I'm like, you're not Superman what the heck is going what is this like how can he knock a tree over and bust through bricks without destroying his you know his body I mean not to sound like a super nerd but you underestimate the training of Lady Shiva (laughs) okay uh, alright the world's foremost martial artist slash assassin Uh, she would have given him plenty of training one on one on how to shatter a tree with his foot you know in the splinters so Okay, so that's that's the explanation for knocking the tree over. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I mean, it. yeah, it's it's uh, of course it's crazy. I, the tree could have had a little bit of dry sure, rot. Sure, yeah, it had a little bit of termite he infestation. Picked, he picked the one that was like just barely hanging on. He's like, I bet I could kick that over. He yeah. needed a you know a confidence boost as he's starting out his true. career as the cage crusader. And also, okay, also at the very end when him and Gordon go over the bridge with the baby and then they just like Great they scene. just land on the ground like nothing happened like the criminal is like on the ground and like dead or whatever but Batman and Gordon are just like yep good here's your child okay here you go well, you, know, you gotta learn how to fall and like catch yourself with your <laughs> but it was like super far down like it's mathematical wow there's a, I had a little difficulty with the suspension of disbelief on that one. It was the uh, Kevlar suit padded the fall for. But what did Gordon have? I guess Gordon landed on the fat criminal guy, on the gangster guy. But the yeah, baby... Everybody knows that like that's the way to land, is on somebody else. Yeah, okay. All right, okay. So, okay, so, I, so that was my... I did... I watched that, and I watched... <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong. Return of the Dark Knight? Dark Knight Returns? D- the Dark Knight Returns. Parts Dark one Returns. and two. So part one was really was really cool, but part two was just like was just like balls to the wall, just like 
like Michael Bay level Man. awesome. Like the Joker's just like, pew, 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 just like, just like killing people. He's got like a a bat, whatever a bat like blade things Battering. sticking out of his eye, <laughs> and he's just like, ha ha ha, pew, 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 pew. and it's just, yeah, it, that was awesome. And the voice of Batman, Peter Weller, which was like he was like he was RoboCop, right? Back in the back in the the OG the original RoboCop movie. I think he was yeah i think so but like take your word for it yeah 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 it was peter well and i'm like cool because like when i first when he first started talking and i was like man this is like this is an interesting batman voice because it's the old like 55 year old batman i'm just like oh i'm like oh yeah i like it i really like it and so i that one was great i like that one a lot um so, so Andy, I have a, I, Nate and I talked about this the other night um, off air. So I do want to know, when you read a Batman comic or book, whose voice is it? Uh, it's usually Kevin Conroy's voice. Okay. All right. We're on the same page here. Perfect. What about you? Oh, 100%. Kevin, Kevin yeah, Conroy. Yeah, it's got to be mine. Kevin Conroy. That's, I mean, aside from what really got me to Batman when I was a kid... And my, my older brother, he showed, he let us watch the uh, Michael Keaton 89 original Batman movie. Uh, and as a little kid, I was just like, wow, it blew my mind. Because up until that point, I'd only seen the 60s, you know, cheesy Adam West uh, series. And that's, that's not Batman, you know. So a combination of that movie and then when they, that actually the Batman movie from 89 basically kickstarted uh, the adapt the adaption of the uh, the animated series. Um, I believe Warner Brothers at that time had just gotten off the ground uh, with Looney Tunes, and one of the uh, ca- uh, not cast members, but one of the writers or producers of Looney Tunes was uh, Bruce Tim, and he was one of the the main producers for the animated series, and he was a huge Batman Batman fan, and uh, he brought on uh, Paul Dini. And between the two of them, Batman the Animated Series just, for me, was Batman. And it, was, it ran for, what, four or five years, and it splintered off into different series with Superman and then with the, with the, with the League and everything. But Kevin Conroy as Batman, you know, you had Mark Hamill as the Joker. And I remember the very first episode with, uh, with Man Bat and just thinking, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And uh, when they brought in Mr. Freeze and they brought in Clayface, they, they brought a lot of characters and a lot of villains in. Since I wasn't that familiar with the comics yet, I was only familiar with the 60s show, really brought me into you know, that world. And for me, and I'm sure for you guys to a certain extent, especially you, Josh, I mean, Batman hand, hands down has the, has the best villains of any uh, superhero, I think, across any, whether it's DC or Marvel or whatever. Most recognizable... You know, you you know everybody knows the Joker. Everybody knows Catwoman. Everybody knows Penguin, Two Face. I could go on and on and on. Uh, and the animated series really brought that uh, alive in a sense for me, and was actually responsible for spawning new characters. Uh, Bruce Tim invented the Harley Quinn character. Josh was just so telling me about that. Him. Thanks to him, we have Harley Quinn. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So- and now she's got her own movies, and now she's in series with other rogues. So it's it's a very cool, like, everything that uh, the animated series did for Batman. Like, the movie definitely kickstarted Batman, 
and kind of saved the superhero movie genre in general, but the animated series sent it into overdrive. And like he is popular today for me and I'm sure many other people because of that series. And so Kevin Conroy, of course, he's the he's the voice of Batman in the animated series. Um, and in the Arkham Knight yeah, games. Yeah, I was going to say in the video games. And Mark Hamill mm-hmm. also, well, he voiced the Joker at least in the first, in the Arkham Asylum. In all of them. Or did he do all of them? In all of them. Okay. He was, he was um, them, yeah. Which that's really cool, too. I played, so I played through, again, like, I dabble. So I have a little bit here and there. So I played Arkham Asylum. That was a great game. So Andy... I was talking to Josh about this the other day, and it kind of goes along with the Harley Quinn thing, a little, a, a little bit, kind of related. And it's like, why, why don't they make like a big movie with a villain that is not the Joker, or they, or they don't even like? I mean, I know we just had the Riddler, but it's like, why don't they like? feels like it's always Batman and Joker. And I know that, like, Joker's the nemesis, is Batman's nemesis, but it's like, can't we, like, explore something else? Like, there was that, um, I think I sent you that link for that, that how it should have ended, or how that, that animated thing. I don't know if you watched that. Where at the end, like, Batman was like, yeah, so then, then the next movie, I think we should do, like, Joker. And Superman's like, no, no, dude, are you... Every single time you've done the Joker so many times, so I'm like, I agree with that. They should do, they should do somebody else. I don't know. I think it's, I think it has to do with the iconography of the Joker, though. Like he's so over the top, in, in like every way possible, depending on how you want to play it. From like Cesar Romero's ridiculous Joker in the '60s, where he like refused to shave his mustache, so they just, just put, put the makeup, makeup over it. it. <laughs> <laughs> or like Jack Nicholson's like frozen smile and his like just dead-eyed like you know the crazy face to Heath Ledger uh, even they're just I haven't seen the Walking Phoenix one or uh, I haven't seen that one right? either but uh, you know everybody kind of went gaga for that too and he definitely did his own thing and then in the comics too it's just that kind of uh, balance to the Batman so I think that's why you know you like have a, somebody who's like a yin and yang physically kind of thing. dark yeah he's physically dark but he's trying to bring hope and like and and good to gotham and then you have somebody who's physically bright who is a very dark presence so yeah. it just kind of i think That's because like, of that they instantly complement each I other i get it i'm like i mean i know we got a little bit of that because i mean we've seen other villains in the movies you know like mr freeze and poison ivy and the riddler twice now don't talk about mr freeze and poison <laughs> no <laughs> batman and robin that was that was pretty bad george clooney uh, I, I know i know it was so it was bad it was bad we had we had nipples i, I submit the suit. i submit I, I i'm firmly in the camp that that was a good movie uh i liked the 60s <laughs> camp like it's not for everybody don't get me wrong wasn't there was like cheesy, wasn't but... there like bang and pow like didn't they have like actually have or, or am i just why it was pretty close though because it was really that movie really comical. upset me though because again like I'm coming from reading uh, Nightfall and Bane and Nightfall is not some idiot uh, grunting you know steroid freak uh, like he's portrayed in Batman and Robin. Oh, he was he's in Batman and Robin. See, I, I yeah, he was yeah. Poison Ivy's like 
you know, oh, henchman. Number one henchman. Wow, I don't even yeah. remember. But he just grunts. He just grunts in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It, that is pretty bad. And I, um, so that's what I saw first. And then when I read Nightfall, I was like, ooh, see, I like this better. I like that he's an intelligent, methodical um, kind yeah. of. I did read Nightfall, and it was because Andy loaned it to me back in high school. And that was the last time I read it. So I should probably read it again. And I really enjoyed it when I when I read it. I was like, man, this is like it's a, it's a novel. So I'm just like, wow, this is this is this is really cool. Um, well, they, I mean, in the Batman, they do a different villain at least, though. I, you know, yeah. I, they could have started with the Joker, and I kind of they like s- they still put him in at, at the end. Yeah, I think it just shows that you know this isn't this isn't batman begins i like that we're not getting like an a year a day one origin story yeah. like we didn't start with like little bruce or anything like that or him being uh you know not batman yet like we start right away he's been right well, he'd away been batman, batman for two years right it, it had been two I years i think he's on year two yeah. two and a half something like that and i love that it's just like let's start let's start here Here's a question for you, Nate. If you don't want to see Joker again, like what villain would you like them to, you know, for the next movie that they haven't really focused on yet? Because there is quite a few that they haven't really touched on. See, this is going to show my ignorance of the material because all the joke, all not Joker, all the villains that I'm aware of have kind of have kind of made appearances already. Like I'm trying to think, like. So for me, like I'm thinking since the since this Batman movie that just came out, it had that very heavy it had like a seventies dark grit to it, but it also had that forties like film noir kind of aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And it's gritty, right? Like the Riddler is not in a green suit with purple question marks. Yeah, he's, he's just like kinda, kind of yeah, terrifying. He's not he's not like a his appearance not like room. a showman or whatever. When he first appears in the dark in that very first scene when he's in the in the room with the mayor, you're like, Oh my gosh, it kinda feels like that movie seven. You know, yeah. it's really dark and, well, and gritty feel. When when you first Fincher feel. When you first see that, I kind I almost thought it was Batman at first. Because I'm like, who the hell is that? And I'm like, Oh yeah. that's not Batman. <laughs> Um, so I'm thinking for, I was thinking, sorry to cut you off, but going off of that, that seventies vibe and that forties, uh, film noir vibe, it'd be kind of cool to bring in a character that's lesser known and maybe not focus the entire movie around him, but somebody like Mr. Zaz, who is like a cold blooded killer. Psychopath. Isn't his name, is it I think Victor that, Zaz? Is that his name? Yeah, it's Victor Zaz. Hey, way to go, Nate. See, I don't know where that came. I don't know where that came from. I, I see. I told you it's in there. Is he like a? So okay, so he's like a serial killer. Is that? And he's he, a serial killer. That every time he takes a victim's life, he notches a, uh, He cuts his skin, so he's got like all these scars okay. to represent every 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 killer. See, that would be really cool because I think that would kind of that would lend itself really well to like the kind of the detective mystery vibe that that was in this movie like because i mean they're looking for clues and solving riddles and you know so i think trying to hunt down a serial killer would be would be pretty sweet what's the name of the gang um it's escaping me where they're all like um they're all themed after cards so the you know i'm talking about andy 
that's uh, that's who I want to see what, in the next you? one. Okay. Because then what's it's the storyline. Uh, just well, because they're 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 thieves. They're like generational thieves. Where like the head of the gang is the king, and then the queen, um, Jack and the Ten, depending. Or sometimes there's an ace, depending on how it how it goes. But like, uh, so like the first one was kind of murder and corruption, and then so like the so the next one could still be detective focused, but it could be like you know they're highly sophisticated bank robbers, or maybe they're robbing secrets or you know whatever because that's that's what they do. And then like when the king has enough, he retires, and then they all move up a notch, you know, and then they find a new person, and so like this gang continues indefinitely, and so I think that could be like a really cool. Um, detective-based thing that I think would work in the in the Matt Reeves world. You know, and that just made me think of. I was just telling Nate about this uh, today or yesterday. I was watching the DC animated movie uh, Batman vs. Robin. Have you seen that one? Uh huh. Well, it takes from a. It takes from. It's in, it's in the comic book too. Uh, they borrowed it. It's called the Court of Owls series. Yes. And the I Court have of it. Owls is like a secret society in Gotham with like the elites in charge. And there's a lot of that kind of talk, you know, these days with all of the all the uh, political stuff and government stuff and powerful people that are controlling everything. You know, that'd be really interesting to see something incorporated like that into into a movie yeah. too. And it keeps like I like this stuff because it keeps it more firmly grounded in reality. And it's not so fantastical, which most of his villains are with, you know, Clayface and Major Man <laughs> Some of those guys. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I like... I, I mean, I would... Go ahead. Go ahead, Nate. I was just going to say, I looked up, like, Batman villains, just so I could see if there's ones, like, I hadn't heard of at all. And Screen Rant has the 20 greatest Batman villains of all time, and the f- first one they list is Deadshot. But we've, like, so we've seen that seen him in Suicide Squad, which, you know, but, eh, I guess. Did I get, so, okay, did, did you guys see Suicide Squad? I didn't know. Nope. No I bad. I saw the reviews and I was like, Yeah, it was, eh. it was, <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of characters in there too, but it was just kind of like, eh. Um, I don't like it when they stuff, like, multiple, like, you know, a huge amount of characters. Like, uh, it just... Deadshot was in there, and then like there was one I was thinking of, Andy, when you asked me who would I want to see, and I like Killer Croc was in there, and I'm like, well, that would be mm-hmm. kind of cool, but I'm like, but I was thinking, is like, well, we saw that Killer Croc in Suicide Squad, but I mean, again, I don't know that anyone would like would be like, well, we've already seen Killer Croc in a film. It was the definitive uh, Killer Croc uh, portrayal in Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, Although I've heard, what what's the second? Is it is Birds of Prey the second Suicide Squad movie, or is that a totally different one? I've heard that one is actually pretty decent. Well, the Birds of Prey, yeah, it would have included uh, Batgirl, Huntress, um, some of the lesser known. Black Canary, I think, is another female super uh, member of the extended Bat family. Um, but there was a show on the WB called Birds of Prey back in the early 2000s, back when we were still in high school, I think. Only yes. lasted for a season or two. Yeah, it was like two seasons, and it was, uh, yeah, Oracle was kind of the main central character in that, and it was like, Batman had disappeared right. from Gotham, and so they were trying to hold the fort down, not knowing if he was going to come back, and 
It was an. I mean, considering it was a WB show, it was all right. And considering I was in high school, it was all right. <laughs> oh, probably had a pretty dark angel feel to it. That little Jessica Alba show. A little bit, yeah. Andy, yeah. you were so into that show. I never watched it. Oh, I love, I love that <laughs> show. <laughs> yeah, Oracle, Nate, by the way, in case you're not tracking. Sorry, Oracle? Do you know who Oracle is? Josh mentioned uh, a second ago. Uh, no. Wait, 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 wait. Is that... Is that... That's uh, Gordon's daughter, right? Isn't it? Very good. Or am I totally yeah, off? Very good. Like, because she was, she was bat girl and then she gets paralyzed and so she becomes oracle right because the joker shoots her in the spine so i don't remember okay so there was there was a was it the under the red hood is that is that one that talks about like does that deal with what happens to her is that just like the joker am i getting that like it depends on which line you follow i'd say the killing joke right is the is the big one that kind of yeah that one it's right there look at that yeah Yeah, the killing joke deals with her getting getting shot that's also a very dark such a great uh, such a great cover by the way yeah um and the dc animated movie is fantastic it's true it is it's one of the watches i will steer everyone away from batman ninja Never heard it of it. It was just, it was pretty <laughs> terrible. Eh, don't bother with it. There's, Batman Ninja? There's about 500 that would be a better, better use of your time. Well, I know what I'm going to watch. Yeah, next. I was really impressed with, uh, <laughs> I was really impressed with uh, the Batman versus Robin and the other one, uh, Batman and, was it Batman and Son? Whenever, whenever Damian Wayne is introduced, uh, that, that DC animated movie too, which, he has a. There's a whole this like the whole DC, the whole DC animated movie collection that they've brought out over the past twelve to fifteen years. Man, those are really strong Batman movies, and that's something that you will never get from a live action Batman movie. Is you get to see, even though it's animated, but you see how the uh, you know the writers in the comic books really envision him being like this really badass martial artist and super intelligent detective. Uh, you get that all, with all the with all the gadgets and everything. It does get a little fantastical with some of the things he's able to survive, but some of those movies are are awesome, really really good. Well, I think talking about surviving a, a place on any. Yeah, well, yeah, like you're saying about the writers, like they have so much more space and time to be able to flesh out, you know flesh these characters out in whatever direction they want and they're not constrained by you know by a studio and you know actors and all that you know garbage necessary and not always garbage that's a little harsh not garbage um but you know sometimes being able to make the comics you know um but uh okay what was i gonna say now i forgot lost my train of thought i think i think you have opportunity with those animated movies that you don't in the live action though because it's easier to have that suspension of belief yeah uh, you know and and i mean it's like and again it's still yeah it's you're still you're still creating you know a a movie but it's animated and stuff but it's not like i'm sure they can make those a a bit faster than a than a feature 
you know, like a big budget blockbuster movie, and and they're still they're still high quality, which you know. Um, Andy, you said something about uh, about Batman being able to survive like injuries or whatever. Like in that in that um, <sighs> Return of the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> in the second part. When he has been shot by Joker like multiple times, and he's like on top of the police SWAT van, and he's just like he got shot in the gut, and he's just got like blood just like pouring out of him. I mean, the fact that he didn't like pass out and just die, and then you know, then like you know, the new Robin takes him back to to the Batcave, and Alfred's just like, oh, do do, fix him up, okay, he's good. And this dude's 55 years old, and he's just like, <clears throat> okay, I'm good. Uh, a nuke went off. Damn. I don't know if I that... Think, I, well, 55's a new 35. Right. Yeah. Well, I think in that comic they, they and, and that movie, though, they, they do kind of explain it as much as you're ever going to get. And again, um, I mean, I understand that it's a comic book, and it's not, it's not reality. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But he's like, you know, when he's all gets beat up the first time... And he's all like stripping down, which I thought was weird in front of the child, but that's another topic. And then uh, she's like, <laughs> "Where's he going?" And Alfred's like, "To find his strength." Yes. And oh. it's like, so yeah, it I was kinda... just like about will, like brute willpower that's apparently kept him alive. I kind of almost, I almost wanted to kind of laugh when Alfred said that. He's like, "He's going to get his strength." And this, you know, half-naked Batman's just walking into a cave and like, <laughs> like talking to a bat. Is that like his dad, or just the spirit of bats, or fear, or what is like? What is it? What is that? Who's he? Who's he? Who is he talking to in the cave? It's whoever you think it is. Is that is that just open for the for the viewer to decide? Like, just open for interpretation. I, I think so. I mean, it's, I mean, it was kind of cool, and I, I did so. There seems to be a theme of like bats like crashing through windows in you know in this stuff which that is also a very like dramatic thing where he's like I'm ready suddenly I was like damn it I got to replace a window again crap well, that's that concept of like rebirth okay right. so Nate, I I I have a quest so the the suspension of disbelief for you was broken in year one when he's like kicking the bricks and the tree. Okay, like I can see that. Okay, definitely. I won't say it's broken. It's, but like it's bent, like it's like. But was it broken for you in the Batman when he's taking all that gunfire, and just kind of keeps going? See, I just figured he just had like this awesome Kevlar, just you know, bulletproof. I mean, he's getting okay. he's getting bruised, obviously, because I mean, you gotta take that force. None of somehow, right? But no stray bullets to his mouth. Well, it's a rule. They never shoot him in the face. You know, it's, it's always just in the in the vest region. No, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think untrained, you know, basically untrained people just kind of wild firing. In my mind. You probably aim for the center of mass. I think that would yeah. be like a good I mean, default thing to shoot at. So yeah. I think he's got like a little leeway there. But there was a moment when he's up there fighting against all the Riddler clones, and I was like, "Well, 
Yeah, well, one of them had like a shotgun, right? Like, why didn't he just point at his face? I, okay, I mean, okay. Well, and, then he, and then he did when he was hanging. When he was hanging down, the guy was like real, getting real careful yeah. and like bracing. But then he did like the whole like you know movie villain trope thing where he just like waited too long and you know they're usually. Like, and he got me monologuing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe it's just because I'm not as used to watching, you know, like animated shows or animated movies as much because they do you know have a little bit of a different vibe to them than you know than a than, a, than film i guess i don't know for sure I don't know if that seems like elitist because i'm the furthest thing from that but you know it's just it's a different experience a little bit of a different experience i guess so i gotta kind of factor that in yeah. any any negative comments about the batman from either of you I want to hear what Andy says. Same. That's what I meant from either of you. I meant from Andy. Yeah. (laughs) I've been talking enough. We need to have Andy talk more here. So, I mean, there was a couple of nitpicky things. I thought overall it was the best movie, Batman movie, live action after uh, The Dark Knight. So, um, uh, So, for Bruce Wayne just starting out as Batman... The movie was just all about Batman and really not at all about Bruce Wayne. Because even when Bruce Wayne was on screen, it was still Batman, but without the mask. So for me, he was a little bit too emo with kind of like the hair in his face and just always in a really <laughs> sour mood all the time. Like, I wanted to, you know, I like, I like, I like Playboy Bruce. Yeah. And that is, that is the mask that is Batman's real identity, is that Playboy Bruce. He was real, like like and, a petulant uh, child, kind of to Alfred, you know, just kind of like a little, a little bit, a whiny little punk. Yeah, yeah. The way he talked to Alfred, if I were Alfred, I would have, I would give him a little backhand. Yeah. Uh, so that that was kind of a nitpicky thing for me. Um, I appreciated that there wasn't really too many political messages in the movie. For the most part, it was a Batman movie. Um, it was kind of funny that all of the evil people in the movie, all the bad people were, uh, you know, white men, and then the saviors or the good people were people of color. So, I mean, you know, I, it's not that I'm looking for those things, but I just, I just kind of noticed it. I think all the bad um, guys being, being white men is actually fairly, because of, because of the tone of, like, corruption, you know, people in power being corrupted and that sort of thing. I was like, I, that didn't feel out of place to me. It was like all the saviors, except Batman. Like that, I did I did kind of pick up on that vibe a little bit. But also I agree that I was kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't know that I care enough. Yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't take away anything from the movie. No. No. Um, I had no issues um, with, uh, I did hear people complain that about the race of Catwoman, and I had no problems with that either, personally. I don't know, not at all. I mean, we already had a black Catwoman. We had Halle Berry. I mean, that wasn't a great Catwoman, but so, <laughs> we don't talk about Halle. So, uh, Josh and I were just talking about about that uh, the other night. I have never seen Catwoman, and I know it was it's like derided as like a, one of the most terrible movies like ever. Have you seen it? I haven't. I never, I never bothered to see it. Yeah, because it was like it goes to show that. With very few exceptions, we people don't respond well to to villain-based DC movies. It just it doesn't work. With the exception of the Joker, which everybody seemed to like, I still haven't seen it. 
I haven't either. I need to see like, that. all the other ones were, like, at best, split on what people thought about them. Well, what other ones were... What have there been? Like, villain-focused ones. Catwoman, Suicide Squad, Joker, uh, Suicide Squad 2? Peacemaker. Yeah. Peacemaker? Uh, which... And there was a Harley Quinn movie too, right? And all of them were like, except for the except for the Joker was were kind of uh, bottom of the barrel. Yeah. One more thing, going back to the Batman though, it was kind of a cliche there at the end, right after uh, he's he's been focused on taking out the Riddler and solving this case, and he's gotten done pounding through all of the uh, Riddler clones or wannabes or whatever this is kind of a cliche they do this in a ton of movies but when he's hanging there on that electrical cable and he realizes that if the cable hits the water it's going to you know electrocute all the people down there and so he kind of like shifts his focus from beating up bad guys to being a savior of the people kind of like that christ-like figure so he cuts the cable falls into the water is baptized in the water comes back up into the water and now he's reborn as, like, the man of the people, and he's guiding them from underneath this wreckage where it doesn't look like they're in serious danger, but he's uh, pushing the wreckage off of them, and he's guiding them through the water, and he's getting them on the helicopter. Yeah. Now it, he's... It felt a little heavy-handed. Got his humanity back. <laughs> it definitely felt a little heavy-handed to me, too. Um, both times I kind of I watched it, I was like, maybe it was just my, like, gut reaction, but then the second time I was like, nah... I think that was a choice for sure. But at the same time, I do like that that the movie in general, although it was like, you know, him running around trying to, you know, figure out what's going on with the Riddler and stuff. I liked that it was kind of also about character development without saying, here's the character development and like handing it to you. You know, we shift from the beginning of the movie on vengeance to the end of the movie where like people are trusting him and like don't want to let him go like they're like no no no, you got to stay with me and he's like you know you you've got to let go and get up in the helicopter or whatever um so personally i like it, it did feel a little ham-fisted but at the same time i kind of appreciated that it was the concept of like uh show don't tell like we didn't have a line of exposition that said and then batman learned to be a symbol of hope you know it was <laughs> you you saw you got to you got to watch the transition happen and i don't know i think i think if it had been less ham-fisted though it would have been too subtle for too many people speaking of him saying i'm vengeance did he actually say that to catwoman or anybody else because they kept calling him vengeance well as far as i can remember he only said it in the very beginning to to those as far as i as what i recall was just saying it at those guys at the very beginning I'm Wait, I think I think I got the impression that he's that's what he said to everybody when they were like who are you you know and so that's eventually I mean he's he isn't killing anybody so people talk and then he and then this guy was like beating me to a pulp and I was like who are you and he said I'm vengeance what is that man you know I I so I think just yeah, I think it gets around in the underworld I think so I like the I like that uh um, what you both guys are both talking about there with the the Christ-like figure and and like no I hadn't like made that connection but I did notice there was that shift like where he said like when he 
falls in the water and then it's like you know he's the savior now of these of these people pulling them out for guiding them from under the wreckage you know lighting the flare and and they're all just they're all following him out and and the thing with the helicopter josh you know with the the person that was you know didn't want to let go of him so it's like he's he's not this scary vengeance vengeful figure he's this symbol of hope and you know i I was thinking kind of as going into the second viewing i'm like you know it's like batman is like a like a symbol of of just humanity like trying to be better or trying to you know get trying to rise above the you know the the crud that we that we live in and it's that's that's you know that just surrounds us and i don't know it was i like it and it 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 depends from the perspective too of like the citizens of gotham because you see that bat signal in the sky and if you're a citizen trying to get by then it is a symbol of hope and you feel safer out on the street at night but if you're one of the thugs then it's like oh man he's out there it's like a more of like a signal yeah it's a fear thing and they really they did such a good job with that i loved the intro of the three you know you're following these three sets of crooks or whatever and doing whatever deed and then you know pants to the shadows and you just you don't know is it this guy's it that guy's that guy and they look up and they see it and then they're looking around going uh i really thought the drophead guy was going to go back into the store and give back the money or something like i thought that would have been pretty <laughs> maybe in the next movie we can have that before um, he gets it by the by the taxi or yeah <laughs> so okay so going back so from this one going back to um the dark knight because is it's at the end of the dark knight where he's like okay it's been a while since i've seen it so it's like he's batman is taking at the end of that he takes like the blame for the death of rachel right of harvey dent no of dent well okay right? is it dent so because yeah. dent has just fallen off the, off the yeah. building right mm-hmm. and so but then they're talking about how he's like he's gonna he's gonna be hunted and he's gonna be this and but it's like he's so it's like he's a he's a he's a criminal on the run but he's like a symbol of hope at the same time is that is that what the what they were going for at the end of that he was a scapegoat and it's like at the end of the movie he was like why well, i'll be whatever gotham needs me to be they need me to be need me to be the bad guy and then i'm the bad guy oh and because it was a method of uniting the people like against him kind of a thing so that they could they didn't want to besmirch harvey dent's be reputation right yeah, they wanted yeah. him to remain as a symbol like he was the champion like of the people and who was going after the corruption and they didn't want they didn't want the people to know that he had been corrupted right that he'd been turned into a villain and you know everything he'd done was they didn't want it to just be for nothing so batman's like i'll take that i'll be the guy the bad guy who killed harvey dead that's right that's right that's right and i really i really i don't know if anybody well i don't know if they do this intentionally but when i see little things like that in the movies like it reminds me of things that you see in the comics so like the whole thing with harvey dent like all this all these things that happened to him between Rachel dying and his mutilation and all these things 
I mean, to me, it reminded me a lot of the killing joke and all the things that Joker was trying to do to uh, Gordon to get him to snap. And then you were just talking about the at the end of uh, the Batman, the kid clinging to him and not wanting to get in the helicopter. If you read the Hush series, there is a moment in Hush where Batman saves a kid from Croc, and you know he clings to Batman and doesn't, and he tells the cops that he wants to stay with Batman even though Batman's trying to leave and the cops are trying to get him to safety. Um, I see a lot of I saw a little nods to the comics in in the Batman. Uh, the hush thing, I mean, they, they did have the little hush headline on the, the little scribbled on the newspaper, you know. That mm. was kind of interesting. Oh, I missed and, that. Uh, obviously, yeah, obviously a lot of year one uh, references. So in the movie, they, uh, and there was they actually wrote on the paper, hush? They wrote hush, yeah. And I think even one of the characters they referenced was named was Tommy Elliot, which is one of the main characters in the hush comic book series. Yeah. You know, Tommy Elliot is his childhood friend who becomes a surgeon. He's uh, responsible for saving Batman from a from a traumatic fall and some brain uh, a, a fractured skull, excuse me. And I think he also does the uh, surgery on Two Face in one of the storylines to bring his face, his other his scarred side back to normal. Yeah, there's a, there's so many references in the Batman to so many things that like. It, it got to the point where, like, on the second viewing, I was kind of watching for some of those, especially, and I was like, oh, that's a reference, that's a reference, that's a reference. But I was like, I can't, it's coming, it's almost a little too quick for me to, like, figure out exactly where some of those came from. Um, my fa- One of my favorites was the motorcycle at the end of the movie, and it had, like, none of his stuff was, like, overtly, um, or maybe was is exaggerated Batmobile or Batbike, you know, like you got in adam west or even in batman the in the 89 Robin. batman well yeah you know, 89 was but that motorcycle yeah. had that like real subtle like ear tips to the to the front of the bike that i was like yeah that definitely looks like it could have been just a repainted adam west motorcycle honestly can we talk so about a lot of it was subtle like that can we talk about the batmobile because that was a really awesome batmobile i liked it that that whole scene, the whole chase scene was just it's great. Like the whole like, and that's I think Josh, I think you mentioned like you know seeing it in the theater, like you get the sound is just really awesome. Like with that whatever that jet engine is on the back of the of the Batmobile, and it's just you know yeah, it was just they could have they could have ratcheted that sound up just a little more even. I think that would have been no. If it would have been Chris Nolan who directed, he probably would have just been like yeah Yeah. and that was cool about this Batmobile even though it had a jet engine on the back it still felt like it was a little more grounded in reality well yeah because it that that deep rumble too like 70s whatever Challenger Charger it was just it was like a 70s yeah like it was just a 70s like muscle car with this you know whatever jet engine just bolted onto the back of it Um, It, it actually reminded me a little bit of Kurt Russell's car in Death Proof. I have not seen Death Proof. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I can fully recommend it. Um, but yeah, he's got a card. He's because uh, he's a stuntman. He, like Kurt Russell's character's name is Stuntman Mike, and he's like, yeah, this car is definitely Death Proof. You got to be sitting in this seat, but it's Death Proof, and he like rolls and lives and stuff. And I was like, 
it was a muscle car and stuff it was super reinforced um i told i told nate and our friend uh, other other open eclectic super fan alexa um came to a showing with us and i was like yeah so that i love the the batmobile chase completely but like in my head i have like my dm's voice going off where he's like okay i'm chasing the penguin and you're like oh bummer he gets away and he goes well can i like just floor it and see what happens so give me a roll critical success all right you ramp over the trucks and you come through yeah. the fires and like <laughs> and i kind of like that he that that sometimes you know um i think it bolsters the story that sometimes batman just gets lucky like you couldn't you couldn't really plan for that you just looked around and saw an opportunity and it happened to be there and he hit it and it it worked out well mostly he works so batman just works really well under pressure like he's really good at making like snap snap decisions now is there is there many examples of like batman like failing like you know like screwing something up or you know or like uh, you know is there because, I mean, it feels like he, yeah. most of the time, he's successful. So. so if you read, if you remember reading Dark Knight, uh, sorry, Nightfall, he, like, he, his, like, greatest failures are just people that he didn't get to in time to save. Okay. Uh, for example, the, the night that he's uh, going to the all-girls school that Zaz has them captive. And he's killing girls, waiting for Batman to show. And when he gets there, he realizes that there's already been a few a few deaths because he wasn't fast enough to get there. And so he's, you know, anytime somebody dies, he's hard on himself that he wasn't fast enough, that he wasn't strong enough, that he wasn't clever enough to have prevented their death. Oh, and then, like... As far, sorry, go ahead. I mean, as far as, like, messing up because somebody outsmarts him, like, I know, I know there are. I'm just having trouble well, thinking of like some Bane, examples. Bane defeats him, right? I mean, that's a failure. Well, Bane, yeah. Breaks his back. Bane, Bane wears him down, though. He he breaks, well, he breaks all the inmates out of Arkham, and he just, he waits and lets Batman capture them one by one. And even during all that, he doesn't like he's not able to capture the most dangerous ones like Two Face and Joker. He gets the lower level guys like Maxi Zeus and Zaz and Firefly and some of the, the C team guys, you know. Uh, and and at the end of it, he's exhausted because he he doesn't sleep, he doesn't eat, and spent all his energy. Bane's already figured out. Maybe he's cut through some of Batman's own carelessness. Uh, getting back to the manor, to the cave, and that he tracks him in a helicopter and sees that he's heading in a direction where all of these rich people live. And Bane deduces that, well, it can't be this rich guy because he's 85 years old, and it can't be this rich guy because he's way out of shape. So it's like it has to be, you know, Bruce Wayne, and he sees a picture of Bruce and he realizes that that face that Bruce Wayne wears is like is, is the actual mask, and he knows without having to actually see him in a costume or see evidence of the cave. He just knows that that guy, like those eyes, that face, is, it's steel behind that. He's like, that is that is definitely the Batman right there. So I, th- I think, yeah, speaking of like that, that mask that he wears and how he doesn't do the Playboy thing well enough, I, I definitely miss that aspect of like Bruce Wayne's character. Um, but I think, I think we're going to see that in the future batman movies and i think 
the groundwork they laid about the persona of Bruce Wayne is this recluse that nobody sees. And then when you do see him, he's like, you know, in this uh, ridiculously extravagant sports car and he gets out and he puts on his shades and just kind of ignores everybody. You know, that's kind of the the yeah, hopefully hopefully he gets a haircut you hippie <laughs> well he's busy being batman we're lucky he shaves we could have had bearded batman <laughs> that'd be cool like ben affleck is pretty bearded <laughs> yeah. okay so are the affleck batmans worth watching <clears throat> or though that whole you know whatever they're the justice league stuff is that is that worth checking out because i haven't seen that i think they're well okay the the first one, I think Batman versus Superman, right? Mm-hmm. It's it gets too it's too convoluted. They have too many different storylines going on between the Batman versus Superman story, the introducing Wonder Woman part into it. They bring in Doomsday, which is like, come on, it's it's, it's too much going on for that one. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of cool. You do get to see a little bit more of like the way I think the comic book writers envision Batman. He's like at the. He's a little bit older, but he's kind of at the peak of his powers. And uh, there's one. I can't remember if it's in that movie or in the Justice League movie. But there's a scene where he's in a building, and there's a bunch of thugs in there, and he's just kicking butt, and it looks super cool because he's kind of swinging around the room with his. Uh, it's not a grappling hook, but with the one that. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's Justice that's, League. Okay. that's Batman v Superman when he's saving Martha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That scene is very cool, and I think he even takes a pull it to the head, and he just keeps going, like it deflects off of his uh, Kevlar cowl. <laughs> yeah, I think. But I mean, yeah, the movies, the movies are, they're okay. Like, I think I think Ben Ben Affleck is, is definitely believable as, as a uh, slightly older Batman, okay. but the stories are just too. There's too busy. There's too much. So going. there was this whole like I guess controversy about like the. St- everybody's like the Snyder Cut release the Snyder Cut because Zack Snyder he he directed or worked on a a big chunk of one of the movies but then they brought like they fired him and brought Joss Whedon in to finish it up and people are like we need to see the Snyder Cut we don't want to see this one because it's not as good well his daughter died right his daughter died uh, so he, he's he'd already filmed like ninety percent so of the movie away because of because his daughter died. Okay. And then they hired was it Jeff Loeb? Josh no, Whedon couldn't have been. Josh, I thought it was Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think yeah, it's interesting when they talk about Batman v Superman because I watched it and it's not as bad as I think people say it is. I, I don't think it's good. It's got a lot of messy stuff in there that you just scratch your head and go, well that they they did that um like the martha thing is just just murder on your ears and like (laughs) it's it's just terrible um but when they started um talking about that movie and they're like oh yeah we're basing it on the dark knight returns and i was like oh cool so yeah like a very kind of batman versus superman themed thing and a clashing of ideals and then it wasn't and it, like it, it, it was really not very well played out. Um, and I was like, man, they could have gone to the source material and like pulled from the Fountainhead directly. But that's one of those things where like you're you're taking a movie and you're trying to make a modern version of it where everybody's this like sympathetic 
relatable, struggling hero, which is fine sometimes. But, you know, what makes Superman the way he is is that, like, Boy Scout mentality of, you know, truth, justice, and the American way. And using that as, like, a foil would have been much better than, like, conflicted Superman, I think. But that's... They didn't ask me for my opinion. And, and they started out with a really good idea, too. I really like how it started, where Batman is angry with Superman for all the damage that he causes to the city fighting Zod. Yeah. And the threat that that poses, that you have this alien that's the most powerful being on the planet that can do whatever he wants and nobody can really stop him. They should have like pursued that a little bit more, but they just started throwing all these different elements from... <laughs> different aspects of the dc universe into it it just went off the rails a little bit i'll say that's what that's something that like the batman did really well is is nothing was wasted in the movie like it's three and a half hours it's a long movie but like i was it was it nate was that you or alexa and they were like man i didn't well alexa's the one that was complaining and she's like it could have been shorter than you know yeah (laughs) But then we asked her later, and we're like, so what would you have trimmed out? And she was like, nah, you couldn't have trimmed anything out. <laughs> yeah, like, it was all, yeah, it was, there wasn't any, like, extraneous, just, you know, filler in there. Um, so to go back to that, like, you're talking about, like, um, so you said Batman was angry with Superman, or you were talking about that just now. And uh, I, I really liked in the in the second part of... Um, it was the second part, yeah, of Dark Knight Returns, where um, I, I, I Googled it and pulled it up so I can read it correctly this time, um, where uh, he's fighting Superman, and I was like, because you're, and you're talking, and you were just talking about how, well, Superman is just, he's this alien who's super powerful, and he, he just deflected a nuclear, like an ICBM, and, and it affected him, like, turned him into some weird, like, zombie Superman who falls to earth and sucks up, sucks the life out of all the ground and regenerates as, you know, Superman again. Um, but it was cool to see how Batman actually had like gadgets that could make him almost, and almost the like, like a formidable foe for Superman. I mean, it was all, you know, it was all this, this gadgetry and stuff that he had to use, but, um, I, that was really cool. Um, and then one other thing, I, I can't remember if it was Josh or Andy that was talking about, uh, well, you are both kind of were, about the Playboy aspect of, of Bruce Wayne. And that was something, I think it was in Return of the Dark Knight, where, like, Gordon and his wife go to talk to him in his, they're interviewing him because they're trying to figure out, um, or Gordon is interviewing him, Jim Gordon, um, I think he's he's just trying to account for his whereabouts or something, so they're trying to rule him out. And he's so he's acting like he's all drunk and he's got some you know some floozy you know girl at his side, and uh, he's he's like drinking champagne and he offers it to both of them and they're like no 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 thank you. And uh, after they leave, you know it turns out it was like it was like grape juice. And the girl was a paid, you know, an actor, basically, to, to keep up that facade, that playboy, you know, that careless playboy facade. 
I thought that was a that was a nice touch. And Andy, what what you think about the makeup? Like uh, in the bat in the Batman, like it's the only movie where there's actually like proof, you know, that he had the eye makeup on after he takes the mask off. Well, Keaton clearly wore makeup, but like when he took the mask off, it it came off with the mask. <laughs> well, isn't that how all the other ones have been? Like you never see like the yeah, I think that's how the other the ones mask is just off, yeah. and there's no eye black anymore but this one you know it's all smeared and like sweaty and you know you know whatever again like that's the cool thing about this one is it has that gritty dirty feel to yeah. it in in every aspect of the movie i mean even do i mean we we're just talking about his car you said it reminded you of the car from what was it dead shot death proof uh for me death proof for me it reminded me of the car from and I, I'm a fan of this movie, and though I know a lot of people don't like it, the uh, the Thomas Jane. Punisher oh, I love that one. I love, love that one. It. Yeah, the you. It looks like a car that he was like working on himself and threw together himself. Well, he was because there's like there's there's shots of like there's shots of that crazy jet engine thing, like all the pieces like laid out in his cave, like before. Like I think it's the first time, or maybe the second time that that he's in the cave, and you see like the. You know, like, I don't know, like, the timing chain, like, laid out on the table and, like, bolts and all that stuff. Yeah, this is this is not a world where he's going to have, uh, you know, a bat wing, like a super high-tech <laughs> plane that comes to him via voice-activated remote control. Yeah. That he can control yeah. with his fingertips or something. I mean, and I... It, Probably more like a bat copter, like an Adam West style. <laughs> <laughs> I love the bat copter. <laughs> it was cool how, also how he just like his main transportation was a motorcycle. He was just like he wore a helmet and he just sense. looked like a normal, you know, a regular person riding a motorcycle. It wasn't some some wacky, you know, which was very year one ish, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of how he gets around in year one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love the I loved the noir feel. I'm a big fan of film noir in general, and like I love the way that this movie hit a lot of those beats. and And I would argue that you know a, a lot of times like Blade Runner and the new Blade Runner, which I haven't seen yet, get credited as modern neo noir films, and the Batman films don't get enough props for that. Um, the Batman, and then. Uh, and then Batman, The Dark Knight Returns, are both neo-noir films. Um, they both deal with like the unrest and the paranoia that we feel today, which is like a hallmark of noir. They're detective stories in a lot of ways. There's a femme fatale, like all these beats that uh, a traditional noir needs to needs to hit. They hit, and kind of in spades. And I just, I don't know. There was a certain aesthetic for this movie that just sucked me in. Because it was clearly not like any place I've ever been or seen. But at the same time, all the stuff was familiar. Which is kind of difficult to do, I think. Because even like the Batman Begins movies, as much as I love them, they just, uh, it didn't seem like Gotham to me ever. It was just New York. Yeah, for me the Batman, the Christopher Nolan Gotham's it just felt like Chicago, especially the Chicago. Dark Knight. Because I mean, that's clearly Chicago right there. Yes. Right? But when you, I, I I agree with what you're saying because you look at uh, when Batman first started, the Golden Age of Comics was f- firmly in that noir uh, setting. 
when it came back to uh, the Batman Michael Keaton version, it was a little more gothic, but it still felt like someplace you'd never seen before. And the animated series had that noir feel where it was everything was old looking, even though it had some modern technology. But the cars were old, the buildings were old looking. People wore the, fedoras. Uh, blimps in the air and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was very cool. They really they really hit that in the um well in those um movie adaptations of the you know, the the animated ones i mean they're pulling it like straight from the comics right but i you know i definitely always notice that i'm like man these cars are all like old looking and stuff but you know so i think that's that's always something cool to see when you go through the the old comics um you know 40s uh 40s 50s um so there's like this period right the golden age of batman when he was first being introduced like everything was really great and then that American Association or comics, what do you call that? They had they had to pass a certain uh, grading by like this government agency that would determine whether the comic was too violent for children. Mm-hmm. So it had to be safe for kids essentially. And so from like 1950 to 1964 or 65, Batman got really goofy and dealt in a lot of sci-fi and extraterrestrial monster type things. Through the early 80s, the Joker, it was up until Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns that it was it was like So that. yeah, so yeah, even the, even the Joker disappeared for a while because he was considered too violent for the for the comics. Uh, in the 70s, it kind of got back to a darker, grittier Batman with with Dennis O'Neill and then really popularized like exploded with with frank miller like you were saying i think the atmosphere of gotham is is in a lot of places um it's not this way for most of the comics um you think about the like marvel specifically a lot of it happens in new york and brooklyn and queens um and even the superman comics metropolis is pretty much still just new york right it's like it's like happier new york and uh, but gotham is its own character like the city has a feel that's not like everywhere else and i think that's kind of reflected like you were saying as it started to get a little more we moved away from the camp and into um less sci-fi and uh, super friends you know into a little bit more grounded um you know he is just a guy who works really hard uh mentality for how batman operates um, Gotham City becomes its own character as a whole, and like yeah. the city, and that gets illustrated in the um, um, the No Man's Land series, especially. Like Superman, there's this big earthquake and destroys a lot of it, and the government like blows the bridges, so Gotham is its own island for a while, and it's like No Man's Land. And Superman comes and re um, helps get like the power plants up and running because um, he thinks well if if in metropolis that's what we'd want and then people would pull together and like whatnot and as soon as he gets it up and running suddenly people are like well no you can only have power if we give it to you and we're going to keep that electricity from you unless you pay us and it's instantly a crime thing and it's just the it's like the difference it highlights really well in that series the difference between gotham and everywhere else and i think that I think that the the Reeves movie did a good job at showing that this isn't really 
like we wanted it to be that way like thomas wayne really wanted to like infuse the city with hope and um and like put his money where his mouth was and was like yes here's how invested i am and where we live let's do this um and everybody else was less like or we could just steal it and that's like the mentality of the city and there's there's little pockets of people who are trying to to strive for what's right whereas other places it's like small pockets of people who are criminals yeah the no man's land goes to show you like how the government feels about gotham like any other city they would have sent in the national guard to try to get things restored and in order and things like that but for gotham they're just like eh, we don't really we never really liked gotham anyway let's just blow the bridges and let them let them figure it out. And to make things worse, Batman is like MIA for the beginning portion of that after the earthquake. And so you have uh, like Batgirl shows up to try and, and help uh, sort things out. And it's not Barbara Gordon. She's Oracle at this point. It's it's the other girl whose, whose name slips me at the moment. Uh, isn't Cassandra but Kane? it's very cool. No, that's, Bat, that's Batwoman. Huntress becomes Batgirl uh, for a while. Yeah, but the Batgirl that I'm thinking of, she's mute. Cassandra Kane. Hmm. Okay. Maybe, okay. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. But um. Yeah, it it becomes kind of like this, this uh, almost like a Grand Theft Auto or uh, Cosa Nostra thing where you have all these criminal elements fighting over portions of the city. You've got Penguin and his gang. You've got Two Face and his gang. Joker's kind of running wild doing his own thing. Um, the actual, the the novel version of No Man's Land is really good too. There's a there's a there's a novel ad- adaptation that that's worth checking out. Um, especially, I thought the the relationship between Sarah Essen and, and Jim Gordon is pretty interesting. And then also, Batman can't really rely on high tech gadgets because he doesn't really have access to a lot of it right he's got like this utility belt that's more like a, a tool belt and he's got all this he's <laughs> yeah. carrying all this stuff around with him yeah it's pretty neat pretty neat uh, take on the on his resourcefulness yes the thing with essen was this kind of was a shocking thing to me um gordon having that having that trist or fling or whatever with his pregnant wife at home that was an interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's everybody's yeah, flawed in yeah. some way, right? Uh, well, <laughs> and I thought that that you're exactly right, and that's you know that's. I mean, it's a it's I guess kind of a kind of tragic, but at the same time, yeah, it shows that that he is a, a flawed guy, as well. But he um, did the right thing, you know, in that in that story. I guess he broke up with Essen and. Um, stuck it out and talked about going to counseling and all that that was an interesting um in that story he does in year one he does oh there's other so is that other one you were talking about (laughs) continue reading for more okay (laughs) yeah um so so we get to talk and there's so many things like i want to i want to i want to bring up and so one thing that i think i read somewhere that that somebody noticed there was that in the movie when they arrest uh, in the new movie, when they arrest the Riddler, it kind of reminded them of um, one of the Arkham video games, like the beginning of um, which 
I have it on my Xbox, and I started playing, and I went, I got through that part because it's right at the very beginning. But it's like the cops go into this diner, and uh, and then basically that's like the beginning of like Gotham just goes to goes to hell. Like everybody in the diner is murdered, and um, gosh, I don't know which one is that, which which Arkham game that is. Um, but it was cool. It's been cool forever since I played those. I still have. I still haven't even opened the third one. It's still wrapped in plastic. It's just sitting there waiting for me to get to it one of these days. <laughs> I remember. I remember the first one though. Man, I spent a lot of time on Arkham Asylum, and then the second one was Arkham City. Okay. And the third one was. What was the third one called, man? Well, they had. Can you remember? Okay, Asylum City Origins Night. Okay, and then there's Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. That's coming out next year, according to Wikipedia. Um, I think it, it must have been Arkham Knight, the one I was talking about um, at the beginning, where uh, like the cop walks into the some cop walks into the diner, and then everybody just dies inside the diner somehow. Something happens. <laughs> um, so anyway, I started blasting. Yeah, so I just started blasting. Um. All right, so we've been going. Let's see. We've been we've been talking for you know a little bit over an hour. Um, do we want to? Is now the time? Do we want to say? I was thinking, maybe you guys go with like each of you. Like, what's your top? Like maybe a top five. Like Batman. Um. I guess comics like storyline. Is that what is that what you call it? Like a storyline, like. Yeah, I was kind of wanting to talk about this too, and we have to just before we even start throw out Dark Knight Returns Year One and Killing Joke because I think that's universally held as like the top the top three in any particular order. So we just have to we have to understand that those are always going to be at the top, and this is I think for most we're people we're digging a little a little bit in the top five or top a little bit three. deeper here, which is good because I want to I want to get. I want to get some more, some of the more of that substance. So, I don't know. Do you guys want to like each? I'm putting you. I'm putting you on the spot. I guess. Like, do you want to like each? Like, give like start at like number five and go. I don't know. This is a lot of pressure. Are we talking only comic books? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess what would be like? What would give you the most like the most solid like foundation? Like this, the the best experience to like begin a journey, uh, you know, into into this world. All right, cool. So, I collected a lot of the comic books and the graphic novels pretty intensely for like a twelve or fifteen year period, like the early two thousands, like basically right around the time I left Lincoln, um, until. I don't know, maybe shortly after I got married, I guess, because then I started having to do more grown-up stuff. <laughs> so I have a, I've got, like, I'm not quite as caught up on stuff that happens, like, after 2010 or 12, we'll say. But between, like, I was really big into the portion of the 80s and the 90s and the, and the 2000s. So if we're taking out the three that I already mentioned, um... And obviously, we've talked about the Long Halloween. That is that is pretty good, and it has a sequel called Dark Victory. And I think there's even a 
prequel called Haunted Night. It's either a prequel or a sequel. But that whole that whole uh, long Halloween, the the Jeff Loeb uh, take on on Batman is is you can't go wrong with those. And Dark Victory introduces uh, Robin, and uh, kind of like how how he gets introduced in the mythos and his origin and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really good one. There's a really good Joker origin story called The Man Who Laughs. Um, have you have you read that one, Josh? A very long time, but I think I have. That's one that I recognize. That yeah. I got a. I got a, I got the cover here. It's it's pretty creepy. Uh huh. Yeah, that is creepy. Yeah, it's really good though. Yeah, it's it's great, and the relationship between them. And the reason why he does the things he does, it kind of goes into the little into that a little bit. So really like that one. I love obviously Nightfall. That was one of my earlier experiences with Batman. Wait, wait, wait. So and there's a so is Man Who Laughs is that number is that is that one of the one, one of the ones on your list? I put that in, in my in my personal top five, and I'm sure a lot of people will kind of scoff at that. Yeah. Just it's a, it's just a fun it's a fun read. Like you'll be. You'll be into it from beginning right. to so end. So Man Who Laughs, Nightfall. Yep. Uh, yeah, Nightfall obviously super great. And if you can, if you there's it comes in like a three uh, graphic novel set, and they're all like, do I have one of them over here? Possibly. Yeah, here's the first one. Uh, here's the first one, and you can see it's it's fairly thick, and there's, there's oh, yeah. three of them. Okay. But the first part is, you know, the first part is basically how Bat, uh, Bane wears down Batman and breaks his bat back. Okay. The second part is when Jean Paul Valley takes over as Batman and kind of starts going off the deep end. And the third part is Bruce Wayne trying to recover the mantle. He's already kind of figured out who he is or where he belongs in this whole thing. So his comeback is a is a cool story. Um, what else? Uh, we talked about Hush a little bit, but Hush is really great because it's got one of the great artists, uh, Jim Lee, who his, I mean, his art is just fantastic. He actually did the art for the Monopoly set back there. Oh, I was just noticing I, that. I've had that set, I've had that set since like, my, my brother actually gave me my first one back in 2006, and like a fool, I took it with me on my deployment to Iraq, and we beat the crap out of it out there just... <laughs> so many nights playing this game it was awesome uh it didn't survive that deployment so when i got back i found another uh found another copy of it or another whatever another another box and uh, ordered it and i just left it in plastic i have no place so you totally my kids are coming you totally just like you just lost the original one that you had i mean it just it just got so worn out because it was getting used almost every day, oh. like, and we were working twelve yeah. on twelve off shifts. So, that and being out in the desert and everything, and the sand, and just it just didn't make it. Didn't make it back. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna bring it back. Your kid and your kids are bugging you to open this one. Oh, they're they're dying to open it, and they're dying to open my other little figures <laughs> back there too. They're like, Daddy, come on! I'm like, no, 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 no kids. I had those forever. So, do you get a third one so the kids can play it? Can play it, or do they? Well, you can't. It's not. It's not available. Really? You, can't, you have to find it oh. on eBay or something. And 
I don't know what it goes for these days, but I'd imagine it's hmm. it's got to be curious now. There. Okay, okay. So you've got three. You've got Man Who Laughs, Nightfall, and Hush. Yeah. Um. What else? Uh, Under the Hood is is pretty good. That was one of the last newer ones that I read before. Is that Under the Red kind hood? of falling out that... of? Yeah, it's kind of the story of. Uh, it's this, it's this, it's this guy that he's a vigilante, but he's, you know, he's killing, he's killing the crooks that he's taking out, and he's very familiar with Batman's fighting style, and he knows how to cut his lines that nobody else can cut. Um, it seems to like just be a step ahead of him, and it kind of works his way out to figuring out that the Red Hood is Jason Todd, who was the second Robin, who was killed by the Joker. Uh, I think in in Iran or something, chasing down these terrorists that he believed killed his mother, and at the end of the tunnel is is the Joker. He's selling nuclear weapons to the Iranian National Guard or something. Wow! And uh, Batman told tells him to hang tight, not to go after him alone. And Jason is very rebellious and doesn't listen. And it's actually the story of how he dies. It was up to the fans. Uh, DC Comics did a thing where you could call this number. What? If you called the one number, he would live, and if you called the other number, he would die. Oh wow! And the fans, I guess, didn't care for Jason too much, so they they offed him. <laughs> wow! I you know I that's really cool. I'm learning so much tonight. I wouldn't. Oh, it blo- that story blows your mind the first time I mean, you read it. I didn't so think cool. Joker. I didn't know he was like an international arms dealer. I figured he was just a Gotham centered centered dude. It's been a lot of things, I think, and again, it's just kind of like to f- he he serves the story primarily, okay. which All is right. great. Okay, so you got one more. So number one, uh, number one. I don't really think I'm gonna try something a little different. I'm not gonna say it's my number one, other than the top three or number one in this top five, but it's very cool to check out, and it's kind of like uh, I don't know if you would consider it an Elseworlds or an Otherworlds. But there's a there's a series where he um, is taking on I think Dracula comes to Gotham oh. or something, yes, awesome. and ends up biting him. Yes, it's very very cool because he dies and he gets reborn as a vampire and I think he's got to find a cure. It's been a year since I've read. It. I have it. I have a copy of it. I just haven't read it in a long time. That sounds awesome. Oh. And my other one that would probably be number four on everybody's top four or top five that I didn't mention was Arkham Asylum. It came out in 1989, and it is very dark, very adult. It's not for kids. It's very gritty. Okay. Um, And then this one, this is just an honorable mention. I thought this one was pretty cool. This is a very dark take on the Joker, too. It came out right around the time that The Dark Knight came out, and... Um, Joker's on the loose again, and the part that I cannot get out of my head, and I haven't read this book in, in quite a long time either, but there's a part in the story where he breaks into this apartment of this elderly couple, and you see them like sit up in their bed. They're startled because the Joker is just walking into their room, and he's holding like a switchblade or something, and like the next thing, the next scene you see of them, they're just completely like stabbed and gutted and just now he massacres those two old people. Is that the one where it's from the perspective of the henchman? Like the henchman. Joe, okay, yeah. so there was my friend John at work had told me about the, and he 
specifically about that with the elderly couple. He brought that up and told me, recommended that to me, and I know he also recommended uh, Killing Joke to me. So reminds me of a Criminal Minds episode with that has Tim Curry in it, where he does that and he breaks into this house and there's like an elderly couple there and he's a of course tim curry's the serial killer which i bring up because not only the similarity but tim curry was the original voice was going to be the original voice of the joker in batman the animated series and then he had something fall through and then it went to mark hamill so somewhere there's like test footage of tim curry as the joker in that show so i love that there's that like kind of connection where like so now when i watch that episode i want to be like ah well i could kind of see him with the all right okay that's cool um all right so what's the name of that vampire dracula batman i think it's i have to go downstairs and grab it let me see if i can if you just google batman dracula comic series yeah batman dracula and the art is the art is pretty pretty cool too in that in that series. Well, there's Batman Dracula, which is a 1964 fan film, no. and then the Batman vs Dracula, 2005 direct to video animated superhero. No, it's the, com- it's, it's the it's the comic book Batman Dracula comic book. Uh, yeah, Elseworlds. Yeah, I think it, they do consider it an Elseworlds. By Doug, by Doug Moen, Moench, Moenk. But he's got very exaggerated. He's like very muscular, very ripped, and he's got these very exaggerated uh, ears on his cowl. Okay, so is I remember it, that one? Is it? Oh, I see. Yeah, they're really, they're really tall. Yeah. Bat, Batman and Dracula, Red Rain. Red Rain. Is there it is. Elseworlds. Yeah, Red Rain. I think that's it. Red Rain. Red Rain. Okay. Well, well, okay. So, Batman and Dracula—that is just ju- that. Just hearing those two together is just awesome. So, lots, lots of material here. I mean, feel feel free to just come by sometime. Take a take a week, take a weekend. I got I got a whole library of Batman comics. I've got like three boxes of of Batman graphic novels, and <laughs> there's another uh, series yeah. that's really interesting too. Um, that I have. It's called Prodigal, and it takes place after Nightfall, and it's kind of the story. Uh, Bruce Wayne takes some time off from being Batman after after taking the mantle over again from um, Azrael. What's his name? Gene Paul Valley. Gene Paul Valley. Thanks, Josh. Um, so he takes off for a while, and he leaves uh, Dick Grayson, who has felt kind of. He's kind of betrayed almost in a sense that Batman didn't choose him over Jean Paul Valley to take over for him while he recovers from his broken back. And so this series kind of goes into uh, Dick's, because now Dick is taking over Batman while Batman is taking some time off from being Batman. And it's kind of going into how he's uh, dealing with being Batman in essence for the first time. He's never done it before. So that's kind of a cool little story on its on its own. I don't know if they made a graphic novel out of it, but I went and tracked down all the individual comic books to uh, to find out how the story read out. I think I've uh, I've definitely got some overlap. I think then with Andy because okay. I think Nightfall is it was one of my earliest introductions, and I want to say I read the novel. 
um which is just great like it's it's so fun um but so nightfall um no man's land either the novelization or if you really want to commit you can read the the comic arc that's like 10 omnibuses I, they're big they're big boys yeah um, i got those too yeah those are those are really <laughs> great um i sold those to a friend and now i'm like it's uh it's actually brian i should message him and be like i want those back <laughs> have you read those um, have you touched those since i sold them to you yeah no i well it's funny because i went to uh i'm friends with his i'm in addition to having his a friend i'm also like very good friends with his parents so i was at their house and they were like oh do you want to see brian's room like he just uh, left a bunch of stuff here <laughs> like you got to see this and i was like all right and i did and i went in and he's got like she was showing it to me because he's very detail oriented and his dvd collection is alphabetized and or his disc collection is not just dvd anyway so yeah no man's land and nightfall are probably some of my top ones um court of owls is really good it's very conspiracy heavy detective oriented um i like it i like it it's a lot of fun uh the one that I remember uh, liking a lot, but I'm weak on the details, is Batman Black and White. I had a lot to do with Two Face. The whole comic is written in black is is illustrated in black and white. Um, but I just okay. remember that the Two Face arc in that is really good. And then um, one that I think is only a book that I picked up. I don't. I thought I had a copy. I was gonna grab it off the shelf, but I couldn't find it. It's called Ultimate Evil, I believe. Um, and it's a it's a pseudo grounded in reality book but basically Batman takes on um, like a child trafficking ring and discovers they a comic. there is a comic for that too is there? I yeah I read that book and one of the things that like I loved about it is um, the way that uh, the way that Batman is portrayed is like a gold standard like if batman tells you like i'm gonna let you go or whatever you can take that to the bank that's like it's it's a promise like the batman like they say this periodically throughout the book like the batman's word is gold he says it happens and nobody even questions it and it's like a kind of i wish i don't know if there's a follow-up to that um style of writing but like I would love to have that thing where he just like says something ridiculous and fantastical and everybody just goes, Okay, yeah, Batman's word is gold, okay. <laughs> and like <laughs> And like he just like stops something in its track because he says, Don't do that or I'm gonna do this if you do that and they're like, Yeah, you know, okay, we're done. Um Those are my three favorite and just as far as like storylines go, Nate, I've I've recommended it a lot you got to watch Batman mask of the phantasm. Okay. Um, Thank you for bringing that up. That I was is waiting to the bring number that up. one Batman movie period. It, like you, it doesn't get included cause it's not live action action, but it did have a theatrical release. Uh, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill. And it's, it's, it goes to show that you don't need a really long movie to tell a good story that both covers, like a present day Batman and also like a, maybe a, a more rich origin story than we get in any other movie. Cause all the other movies are like his parents are killed in front of him and he's sad and he then gets angry and violent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 
yeah, oversimplification. I mean, and I feel like that doesn't apply to this one. So I think okay. that's hundred percent where I would like recommend. Yeah. It's like it, that whole thing with his parents. I mean, it, I understand, you know, that's the story, but it's like every, every single, like every different iteration or, you know, different version of it that you see when that comes up, I'm almost kind of like, yep. Okay. Parents die. How are they going to like stylize it here? Where, Oh, you know, if they're, the blood is pooling, pooling around, and then he looks into the blood and then sees his reflection, and suddenly we're back in the present time with Batman. Uh, you know, I don't know. That's what was so interesting about this new movie is that you find out that Thomas Wayne isn't the perfect guy that we all yeah, really thought he was. Yeah, that was... As well. So is that whole thing with... So his mom is... Her family is Arkham? That is... Is that a canon? That part thing? was new for that part was new for me. So that's not I, a canon. I read that before. That's, okay. Or no, maybe it the is. part where it's, he's operating. That's in, that's in the comics somewhere. Because like I, oh. when I saw that, I was like, I can't believe they're doing this. Like that's such okay. a wild twist. But I remember, I, for the life of me, I cannot remember where it's from. But I remember reading that, and it was it's one of those more obscure kind of uh, what you call else worlds. But yeah, there's a thing where like it's her family's the Arkhams and the Waynes, and they kind of come together and then she has like a history of potential okay and that just further ties the whole arkham batman thing just yeah just just enriches the whole storyline that's cool what what were you gonna say andy sorry the part where he uh thomas wayne operates on is it falcone yeah Mm -hmm. yep yeah that's isn't that from is that from long halloween or is that from that from Hush, I can't remember now. It's, one from, it's, from, it's from one of those two. So that part was that part was canon for sure, but the whole part with Martha and her mental illness and tying to Arkham's that I hadn't read that before. I thought that was really cool to see that on the And especially the part that uh, Thomas Wayne hires somebody to take care of the reporter. Yeah. You know, he asks the fear of God. He asks Falcone to. Yeah. When that very cool, didn't work. very cool twist that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Okay. Um. I know we're just going a long, like a long time period here. Um, what did you think of the of the Falcone in this in this one? Because I really, I mean, for me, like Batman Begins, kind of like those characters still kind of stick with me as like like foundational, just kind of like you know standard characters. So it was interesting to see someone someone new. You know, playing uh, playing Falcone because the one in Batman Begins I thought was really did a really good job. So I can't remember the name of the actor, but yeah, I mean, I like I like this guy because I've seen him in other mafia. I think he was in Sopranos or something. For he had a bit in that, and maybe in another. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if you. Yeah, I, I know I've seen him. In stuff uh, John is in, it John Turturro? Mafia stuff. Is it John Turturro? Is that who it is? Yeah. 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 He was in a movie called, uh, man, what was that called? Like, She Hate Me as a mob guy. Terrible movie. Like, don't even bother. <laughs> it's not, it's not like bad enough to be on your like terrible movies list, Nate, but it's oh, bad yeah. enough to not watch it. Okay. Um, anyway, he's like quoting the Godfather to some guy. And anyway, it's, it's very, it, his part in that is very good. I liked him personally. I liked him as uh, as Falcone. I thought that was or Falcone. 
Uh, he had a... I, he's gotten a lot of hate, but I thought he was... Really? People great. didn't like yeah. him? Yeah. People didn't like him. They, uh, that's huh. the that's one of the major complaints that I hear about the movie, is they're like, ah, they should have got somebody else. I was like, nah, I thought he was... I thought great. he did fine. I didn't get, he was good. I thought he's was greasy good. enough to be, like, a believable bad guy, but, like, clean enough to be a guy where, like, he could get away with stuff for a long time. Yeah. And, and people could definitely be like, no, no, he's just, like, a nice guy. Oh, that's, isn't he, is he the Big Lebowski? Was he the G, was he the Jesus in the Big Lebowski? Yeah, yeah. And he was the okay. the butler in Mr. Deeds. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> you know what we haven't even brought up was how unrecognizable Colin Farrell was. I was, was just, I was just thinking that. I was going to say, like, that was awesome. Like, what? I mean, he looked more like, it looked like, it looked like Robert De Niro to me yeah. in makeup yeah. when I first saw it. Like, Okay. I had no idea it was Colin Farrell in there. So when the movie first started, like, because I had heard that he was in it, but I didn't know, like, what what party was. And so when it first started, and we saw the the police commissioner, like the first one, like right after they discover the you know the mayor is, uh, you know, murdered, I was like, I was like, Josh, is that Colin Farrell? He he looked at, he's a, he's in a fat suit. He's got this weird you know accent. And Josh was like, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't think so. And then, and then we finally see the peng, you know, penguin, and we're like, oh yeah, that's him. Okay. So, yeah, he was. That was great. I thought he did a good job. It was that was fun. His voice was different too, like, because I feel like he always has like you recognize him because of his voice a little bit. Like he's got that look for sure, but. When I heard it, I was like, man, this is, is the, I was questioning it the whole time until the end of the movie. I was like, was that really him? Well, and he's like, what is he like Irish or something? Is he? He's Irish. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely like that take better than the DeVito, like very weird half bird kid that's (laughs) abandoned by his parents in the sewers. Eating like raw fish. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. So that I saw that one in the theater when I was like, when it first came out. So I was only like five or six. And <laughs> oh man, oh my god, five year old. Oh it was man. So, yeah, my mom was mortified. <laughs> She's like oh, mortified. I'm taking you to this. <laughs> yeah, and now watching it, I'm like, because I mean, that bad. Because I mean, no, but it, it is really dark when you think about the penguin. You think about. Uh, Catwoman, like basically killing uh, Max. What's his name with the little, with the electrocution? The yeah, Christopher Walken. Zapper thing. Character name. Yeah, um, that was a pretty dark movie. And the first one, I thought was, I think as a little kid, like the first time I saw it, it actually kind of creeped me out quite a bit. Paul Rubens in his life, killing their kid, like trying to, like they put him in the cage and like throw him over a bridge. That's the Penguin's yeah. villain origin story. <laughs> I was, yeah, I mean, I was pretty young when I saw those movies, too, and I was too young. Like, I, the age I was when I saw them, I'm like, I wouldn't let my kid watch it at that age. I can't remember. You know, that movie was so, I think it was so unpopular with parents for little kids that they, because the McDonald's originally introduced the, the toys for the Happy Meals, and they ended up pulling the toys because yep. oh. the movie was too intense for little kids. 
and that's why it went so and that's why they got so silly in 95 with Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones with Batman so Forever so the merchandise which tie in probably yeah okay and the kids yeah. and everything and actually like that that's when I mean that was a pretty silly movie but I actually have fond memories of that one because I was old enough to buy my own copy of the VHS when it came out and I remember trying to skip school that day the next day to be able to watch it um but I saw that movie so many I wore that if you I wore that tape Batman out. Forever <laughs> Yeah, Val Kilmer. That one yeah. was... Who actually wasn't bad. That uh, one. Val Kilmer was good. Because you had, like, in, like, Nicole Kidman was the, was the like, therapist or whatever, right? Like... Femme Fatale, yeah. 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 Was... So was that... It's, who was the villain in that one? It was Jim Carrey. That was Jim Carrey. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was good. Chris and that's O'Donnell when you had uh, Chris man. O'Donnell was introduced as Robin too. Or as Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a pretty solid. He was a pretty solid Robin. Like, I liked him. I still liked him. Like him, I think. Yeah, I thought better. he he was good. He was a little old for me. I, was, I felt like he, they should. I mean, if they went younger though, it'd be like, eh, is this really realistic or not? Well, if they went younger, then it'd be like, well, child endangerment. Like, don't encourage our kids to yeah. do that. But then, like. <laughs> He's at this awkward age where, like, technically he should just be on his own, but that's fine. Let's have Bruce adopt him. It's <laughs> symbolic. Yeah. I think um, I think that's what the Nolan movies missed in some ways. And what I kind of hope, if the Matt Reeves and, and the um, Rob Pattinson continues long enough, um, I think I think they have to bring in a Robin at some point. Well, okay, so in the Nolan ones, don't they kind of hint at that with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where they're like, oh, could he be, is he going to be Robin, or they, is he going to become Batman, you know? They do, but it's more like, it's more kind of tongue-in-cheek, where it's like a nod to the Robin arc and the idea that somebody could take over the mantle of Batman. Well, Whereas, then, of, of course, they never they don't continue it so it's just like who knows i mean they could do whatever yeah. so i wouldn't mind a, another nolan movie with joseph gordon lovett as batman that'd be fine that'd be sweet there uh i feel like with this new one though then because we're talking about how gritty and realistic and all that kind of thing that that it that it that it felt if you bring a robin in i think it's going to take away from that especially if they're bring in like because they made the Riddler a serial killer in this movie so if you have a serial killer in the next movie that's even worse than the Riddler was in this one and then you bring a Robin into it I mean it just I don't feel like it works in live action like it does in the comics or like it does in the animation yeah you look at the animated Robins especially the the one they use now uh, Damian Wayne he's actually Bruce's son through Raz al Ghul's daughter Talia uh, al Ghul so this Damian Wayne has been raised by the League of Assassins. His grandfather is Ra's al Ghul. And he's 10 years old and he's a little pint-sized dude, but he is kick-ass. Like, he, he beats up uh, Nightwing in, in, one of the, in one of the story arcs. So it, it works in that, in that sense, because if you saw a 10-year-old taking on a 30-year-old Nightwing in live action, you'd be like, "This is ridiculous! Like, this doesn't work at all." Well, I don't yeah. think he has to be ten, though. I think I think the concept of I think the concept of fatherhood is kind of essential to to Batman's 
character arc in general and that and and the growth that that brings when you become a father in some way i'm not saying that we need to see a 10 year old out there like um right what was that movie with Nick? and they could Cage? do it like uh kick ass they could do it like uh they could do it like tim drake uh like the way batman used tim drake in nightfall where he's mostly in the cave he's flicking stuff up from on the computer he's wearing the costume but he's not taking them out on the street with him to, to track down joker or to take on banner right yeah and the or you know like an oracle type he could acquire a ward at you know when he's young and that way he suddenly has this responsibility to balance with what he's doing um and then uh you know later on then we could get teenage you know i think a 15 year old although still still unreal still not like super realistic but again we're talking about a guy who somehow has perfectly bulletproof armor that lets him keep moving like i mean that is kind of unrealistic by tweaking a 12 gauge blast of the chest which would knock your that would i mean yeah break some ribs probably (laughs) i think if you're that well protected then uh we're less worried about the physical like damage to a 15 year old 16 17 and i guess that's gonna be that's going to be the interesting thing to see what direction they decide to go in. If they want to bring in a Robin when he's still fairly early in his career, or if they want him to kind of figure out how to be Batman, like how to fearlessly jump off a building and not be like, oh, when he first realizes how high up he is when he's trying to get out of the uh, out of the police station, you know? <laughs> yeah, that was. Good. Are that they going to so try and get him? Are they going to try and make him? figure out how to be Bruce Wayne the way that we know Bruce Wayne before he tries to figure out how to be a dad. Yeah. Like I said, down the road, if it continues long enough, I kind of don't think it'll get continue that far, but I think, I think the idea of mentorship at, at minimum, if not full like adoption and, and parenthood, but I think the idea of mentorship, I think is kind of, uh, what continues the arc in a, in a, I don't know, in a good way. Well, and they're, it sounds like they're going to, they're going to do at least one more movie. Those guys. I don't see how they could not. I mean, super successful. Yeah, they've got to, they've got to do a trilogy. <laughs> this is a, this is printing money. Yeah. Right. I mean, did I see something that this like on HBO? Like this was like, a huge, like one of the biggest releases on HBO. I believe it. And even the box office take was pretty respectable. Like it was, it was up yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you if you do a Batman movie, even you know, just marginally well, I mean, it, it like you said, it's printing money. I mean, people are gonna go, are gonna flock to it. So, and the fact this one was done super well, I mean, it's just. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they should. They're gonna have to at least do a sequ- uh, trilogy. So, um, well, I mean, we could talk for hours Days. on this. Um, so another, another, uh, we could have you on again, Andy. We could talk Sopranos because Josh has been watching, has been has been going through it. It's been so. slow, but like semi steady. I, it's gonna. I think it. I'm probably gonna just have to watch it again, you know, while waiting for you to finish. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
Well, but you did... No, you haven't watched the movie because you're waiting to watch the whole... Or did you watch the movie? Josh, you mm-hmm. didn't watch the movie. No, yeah. I haven't watched it. Okay. No, no. I'll, if if I do, it'll be after I after it. I finish yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. You know, because uh, we watched Sopranos. Did we finish that earlier this year? Was it late last year that we got um, through it? It was. Because I think did you? I think you eventually overtook me because I I had started rewatching. Yeah, it, I did. And I brought it up to you, and then you you burned through it faster than I was able. It to. was it was like la- it was last year. Yeah. Because the movie, yeah. It's been like five or six months since I finished watching it, and I already feel like I have to watch it again. Because even though it was my second time, it was my first time since watching it through its original run, like mm-hmm. back through the late 90s and early yep. 2000s. And there's a lot that happens, and a lot of characters. Yeah, and like. A lot of storylines. You know, I'm on. You know, I'm on Reddit a lot, and. Because I sit in front of a computer all day. Um. You know, and there's a, a, a soprano subreddit, and it's like all the stuff that's on there now. It's like I barely like recognize, you know, the quotes they're throwing out there. I'm like, man, I'm like, what? What was that? I'm like, I'm gonna have to watch it again because I need to need to refresh. Have you checked out any of the the podcasts? There's two really good ones with the the girl that plays Adriana, and then the one with Michael Imperioli and uh, Uncle Bobby. What's his Steven. name? Bobby Pesca. Uh, uh, Pascal, what's his name? Bobby. Gosh, now I can't even remember his last name in the show. They call him. But you know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. Uncle Bobby, yeah. Janice is Janice's husband. Yeah, in the last, in the last. Is season. it Stephen Sherpa? Is that the actor's name? Might be. Uh, Bacala. That's not his actual last. Name. Bacala. Yeah, that's what they call yeah, him. Yeah, but it? in the show, it's yeah. Bobby Bacala. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go on another tangent, we should probably just for now. Yeah. Tomorrow's Monday. Got to work and stuff. Um, this has been a very good time. Andy, thank you for coming on. Um, it's a long time coming. Glad we finally had you on. Had a good discussion. Um, and we hope to have you on again to talk about, I guess, whatever. I mean, any of the things we've mentioned tonight or things that we haven't mentioned. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It was yeah. definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem. Never get to talk, never get to talk Batman stuff with other, you know, people that know a lot about it. Batman. Well, and we can always we could just have make it a recurring thing where we just talk more Batman. Um, hey, Josh and Nate watches Mask of the Phantasm. Sure. Then yes. we can. Josh. Oh, and there's another, real quick, I'm sorry, there's one other crossover that they do with Batman. It's not on the HBO Max, but you can you can rent it on Amazon. It's Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it is hilarious. Oh, my God. I have. I think I have that on disc, actually. It's great. Yeah, I, buy, I ended up buying it. It's really good. It's so funny. Josh, I think you were, I think you were telling me about that at some, some point. Yeah. All right. Well, I've, I've written down a bunch of this stuff, and obviously we have it recorded, too, so. <laughs> Um, Josh, anything else you want to add before we finish up? No, you guys want to give a like a final rating on the on on the movie. I mean, you've seen it twice. We've talked about it. What's our scale? Yeah, whatever. I give it. How many batterings out of five? How many? Ba- <laughs> how many I give it five. I give it five. Give five out of five. Uh. You could do out of whatever too. Like I'll, you don't have to stick to five. I'll give it. I'll give it. I'll give it. I'll give it four and a half. 
four and a half batteries. I really enjoyed it. There, are, I'm, yeah, there were a couple of things, but it was it was really solid. It was really solid. Yeah, I really liked the, the focus on the detective side of him. So, just a little too moody. He was a little too moody for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little too emo for me. <laughs> I had, I was talking to my brother about it, and he was uh, he was like, he told me he goes ah. Seven out of the ten, and it's that's generous. I think the Riddler was too whiny, and I was like, I don't know, isn't that like the modern day villain though? Like you whine into the internet until you get a following. <laughs> I thought that was the most realistic part of the movie, actually. Um, I'll give, I'm gonna give it, man, I'm gonna go and say nine out of ten for me. Nice. I think it's it's not it's not a perfect movie, you know, but. It's not even a perfect Batman movie, but it's pretty up there for me. Oh yeah, yeah, Definitely. it's good. And with that, I think we should end with a, a stirring rendition of Ave Maria. Yes. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. Well, uh, listeners, you can check us out and. At all the different places online, the Open Eclectic, uh, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, Instagram, Ko-Fi, uh, that's it. So, until next time, uh, look for the look for the bat symbol. Same bat time, same bat channel. That's right. <laughs> he beat me to it. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You can find The Open Eclectic on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and MySpace. Want us to ramble on about something specific or have a comment on what you just heard? Send us an email at theopeneclectic at gmail.com. We now have a Ko-Fi if you feel like supporting the show. That's ko-fi.com slash theopeneclectic. Or support the show by leaving us a review. Thanks. We hope you'll join us again next time on The Open Eclectic. Thank mm-hmm. you.